0: In Philippians 2, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I have a friend that I've told you all about many, many times. Her name's Maryamu. She's in Africa, and uh, she lives in Tanzania, a country in East Africa. She's a Hadzabe person. And uh, Maryamu has had a rough life. She was kidnapped at a young age and forced into education by the federal government of her country. Uh, she stayed, unlike many of her classmates, and she learned English and Swahili and all kinds of stuff there. <laughs> She uh, eventually returned to her village where she became a teen mom, a single teen mom. And then several years later, she married a Muslim man, and together they had two children. This man was strict. He was harsh. He forced her to work long days on their family farm while he drank away their meager income at the local bar. One day, Mary Amu came home from a particularly long day on the farm, to discover that her husband had sold all of their earthly possessions, taken the money, and fled somewhere. She doesn't even know where. All she was left with was the clothes on her back and her two young children, a torn-up mosquito net, and uh, what we call a shuka, which is a sheet. For weeks, she laid on this shuka with her children, and that's, that was their house. She's been through it. (laughs) In her desperation, she turned to alcohol, and it was rough. Her neighbors used to walk by her. She told us this story. Her neighbors used to walk by her as she was laying on the ground and mock and ridicule her and say things like, you're never going to come back from this. And you should just curl up and die. In 2014, uh, we met Mary Amu, and as a result, she met Jesus. And Jesus radically flipped her life upside down. What, he filled her with joy, took away her addiction to alcohol, transformed her life into something with ex- extraordinary purpose, And now she's the primary missionary carrying the gospel to the Hadza Bay people who were formerly an unreached, unevangelized group of people. Powerful what Jesus can do. Amazing what Jesus can do. She was able in the process to to begin to build a a single-level mud brick home. And uh, in Africa, you build a little bit, and then you... Like, wait, and then you build a little bit, and then you wait, and you build a little bit. And over the course of several years, this small, meager home has turned into a multi-room homestead, if you will. And every time we go to Tanzania, I always say, Mariamu, thank you for welcoming us to your bed and breakfast. Because she opens her home to anybody in the community who's in need. Every time we're there, every room is filled Food is expensive around the world. It's extremely expensive. Like one-third of your total income ends up going to food alone, which is it's just so expensive. And she will take what meager food she has, and she'll just share it with whoever just so happens to be there for dinner. At times, those same neighbors who mocked and ridiculed her come to her in moments of hunger, and she feeds them. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to the, each of you, to the interests of the others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. There's this show on Hulu that Taylor and I love to watch. It's called New Amsterdam. And... Uh, it's about this guy named Max who becomes the senior medical professional, or the, the I, what's the title? The president of the hospital? I don't know. Medical director. Thank you. Uh, at at the oldest public hospital in New York called New Amsterdam. In the first episode of the series, he calls the faculty together and he asks this simple question: How can I help? You know. It's a show on TV and it has its own agenda, just like any other show on TV. So, I'm not advocating that we do whatever Max does, but I am saying that there's something compelling about this character to me. This character of Max, who he says, How can I help? Rather than using his position of authority to lord it over people or to get ahead himself, he uses it to serve. And the whole the whole TV show is episode after episode of him figuring out what does it look like to actually help, and it always is more complicated than he first imagines. (laughs) It's compelling to me, this, this character using his gifts and using his position to serve. How can I help? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. This last fall, I was at a business as mission conference in the Middle East, and uh, the the person who started the conference each day with a devotion was a guy named Brother Yoon. Uh, many of you may have read his book, uh, The Heavenly Man. If you haven't had a chance to read it, one of the most life-changing books I've ever read. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. The, the Heavenly Man. Um, crazy. This guy, uh, Brother Yun, is a, a major leader in the Chinese underground church movement. Uh, he's seen tons of people come to Christ. He's, he's gone through the ringer. Let me tell you what, he's suffered. Uh, he's been tased in the mouth. He's had both of his legs broken. He's gone through terrible atrocities. Uh, he's been starved. He's been ridiculed. He's been separated from his family in prison for like 10 years, I think, in three separate occasions. Like, this guy has gone through horrible, awful, terrible stuff, and it was his job each day to start the business as Mission Conference with a devotion. And the first day, he stands up, and I'm so excited. It's like meeting a personal hero, actually, because I'm like, I'm like, this guy, this guy is legit. And uh, so he gets up, and in Chinese, he begins to sing three simple words. Yesu ai ni, Jesus loves you. And then he just keeps singing for like 15 minutes, these three simple words, Jesus loves you. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, man, he's actually making me believe it. (laughs) Like it took 15 minutes of him singing, Jesus loves you, for me to remember that he actually does love me. But as I sat there listening, I thought to myself, of all the people on planet Earth, who could show up at a conference like this one and bring down the spiritual hammer and say, you guys need to ship up and shape up and figure it out. This man could have been that man. But instead, his message, Jesus loves you. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You know, Pastor Scott is a man that many of you have heard of or know, he... Uh, he runs a Spanish-speaking church just down the road from here. Like straight down Mississippi, 15 minutes, and you'll get to his church. He's a visionary, an ideas man. He, uh, he's passionate about serving the, the community that he's in, but it has always, always been extraordinarily difficult. There's never been an easy day for him. His family has gone through times of extreme poverty. God's always provided for their needs, but it's always been just <laughs> just what they needed he's encountered spiritual trials he's had p- witches walk into his church and sl- scream in the middle of services he's had crazy insane things it, spiritual battles and and uh and just oh my gosh the guy has suffered he's counted the cost he's always there always willing to serve and he, every time i see him he he's always eager to share about what's happening, and he always tells me what's happening, but I've never heard the man complain, ever. He always instead points to God's faithfulness. Look how God is coming through. Look what Jesus is doing. Look how, look how God is changing this community. Look what, look what He's doing always 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 he's going through all of these difficulties and trials if anybody had the had the position to say i get to whine about some stuff it's this guy but he doesn't instead he just points to jesus and gives him glory do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I met Doug in 2016 at a training for young Christians who have a burden to take the good news of Jesus to dark, dangerous, and despised places around the world. This year, in 2021, Doug finds his name on the list of the top 100 abolitionists in human history. An abolitionist is someone who brings an end to slavery. Doug travels around the world from country to country, building cases alongside the UN and the federal government of that country to to bring raids on slave facilities, brothels and brick factories and things like this. Doug's name is on the same list of names as people like William Wilberforce and Abraham Lincoln, top 100 abolitionists in human history. But you have no idea who he is. He's just some random dude. Doug grew up really rough. He, his, he suffered abuse Like serious abuse for years and years and years of his life. He he was treated terribly. He went to he he was a in a um, atheist family, and they took him to camps where he was taught how to talk Christians out of their faith. You know how we have Christian camps? They have atheist camps. Yeah. Anyway, so like the guy goes through it. At at a young age, as a teenager, he starts a drug ring that makes him extremely wealthy. On a dare from some friends, he decides to try Jesus out. Gives his life to Jesus, flip-turns his life upside down. Now this hyper-intelligent, very brilliant dude is passionate about seeing people be set free, physically and spiritually. He's been stabbed. He's been shot. He, I mean, the guy is separated from his family. The, the, the life expectancy of someone doing what he does, I believe, if I'm getting this correctly, he told me once, is seven trips or three years, whatever comes first. So after that, either you're so emotionally burned out that you can't move forward, or you're dead. And uh, he, he reached... Three years and seven trips a long time ago. And he went to the psychologist, and the psychologist is like, This is insane. How is it possible that you're still going and you still have the head on your shoulders that you do? He just points to Jesus. Of anybody who could stand in front of you and brag, he would be the guy, but you don't even know his name. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Muhammad lives in Pakistan, which is on the top five most dangerous countries in the world to be a Christian. He grew up Muslim and was doing just fine being a Muslim, and then someone gave him a Bible, and he read the New Testament, and he fell in love with Jesus. And his life was completely changed, and he began to go to people in his community and share about Jesus with them, and, and they did not like it. And so they began to abuse and beat him. His wife and children left him. They kicked in his teeth literally, and... Uh, but he wasn't deterred. He just kept going. He just kept going on foot from village to village proclaiming the good news of Jesus in the, and eventually on a bike, a bicycle, and then just recently he got a motorbike to go from village to village. Eventually his family came back and, and together they share the good news. But just like Scott, they have only just enough. They have moments of hunger and, and difficulty and homelessness, but they do it all the same because... The, the burden of God on their hearts is so prevalent and, and their desire to serve those who persecute them is so real. The very people that are kicking his teeth in and beating his family and preventing him from, from eating are the ones that he is actively ministering to. Do nothing out of selfish. Ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I never met Mr. Rogers. But I did watch his TV show growing up, and uh, Mr. Rogers is one of those people that I want to be like. He, uh, even in the midst of his fame, he notably never blew people off. He never used his position of, of wealth or prosperity or fame as an excuse to not serve the people around him. There was an article written about him in the in Esquire Inquirer. I can't remember, sorry. Esquire. And uh, it was just made famous by a movie that Tom Hanks acted in a couple of years ago. And uh, in this movie, you see Fred uh, in front of a young man with a sword. So I went. And, and, and he takes the time to be up close to this young man with a sword. And so I went into the archives of Esquire magazine, and I found the article, and I read it. The Hollywood, always being Hollywood, changed the circumstances of this event. What really happened is he was in the middle of Penn Station looking to get onto a train. And this mom brings up her young son sees Fred in the, in the station and says, hey, can you meet my son? So Fred gets down on one knee, and he tries to engage this kid. But the kid will not engage. He won't say anything. He's distracted. He's looking around, and the mom is feeling embarrassed that her son won't connect with Fred. And so she's trying to get out of the situation, but Fred persists. He just sits there. And he just waits And eventually, the kid looks at him and they share a few words and the mom is so excited that she says, hey, do you want to give Mr. Rogers a hug? And the kid shakes his head no. (laughs) So in that moment, Fred could have gotten up and walked away, but he didn't. Instead, he leans forward and whispers something in the kid's ear. Later, we find out, the, the author of the article asks Mr. Rogers what what did you say? And Mr. Rogers said, you know, sometimes when when someone like a kid like that is is carrying around a sword it's because we want he wants us to know that he's strong on the outside. But I wanted him to know that he's also strong on the inside. So I said, "Do you know you're strong on the inside too?" The kid shook his head, "Yes." Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Many of you guys heard about my friend John. Uh, When I told you, uh, I put his picture up, or I don't know, I put his country up on the screen uh, a a month or so ago, and uh, many of you guys donated so that we could see him be able to move back to this dangerous country that he's planning on moving back to. By the way, thank you so much for your generosity. God really provided, and uh, we're going to be meeting up with him this spring to deliver those funds so that he can get back in. Anyway... um, John grew up in one of the top two most dangerous countries on planet Earth to be a Christian. He uh, grew up Muslim and lived a Muslim life, and then he left the country uh, as a young man in search of work, and he found work in Southeast Asia. He also just so happened to find Jesus in Southeast Asia at the hands of some missionaries. And so he decides to follow Jesus, long story short, and then COVID, because of how country shut down, forced him to return to his home. When he returned to his home, his family said, hey, uh, you need to convert back to Islam, marry a Muslim woman, or we're going to kill you. So he decided to leave, and uh, he went to a nearby city, and that's when we met him and heard about him. And we began to pray with him and connect, uh, pray about, for him and connect with him. And uh, eventually he makes it into a neighboring country where during COVID he sets up a rescue shop, a a safe house, for people like him. Because in his country, Christians are hunted. And then they get hunted outside of his country also by people who are from that country hunting them outside the country because they're apostates and they deserve to die. So he sets up a safe house. And one day I'm on a video call uh, with this safe house. And we were doing a Bible study every week and just meeting together. And I meet a woman on this call named Ruth. And I find out that Ruth is one of the, the, the leaders of the underground house church in this super dangerous country. And so I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And I learned a little bit about Ruth's story. She met Jesus in a vision on an airplane. So she's on an airplane, she sees a vision of Jesus. The airplane lands. She describes her vision to the person who picked her up, who just so happened to be a Christian. The Christian says, you met Jesus, and she decides to follow Jesus. Anyway, long story short, she goes back to her country. She starts to support the underground house church in this country. And uh, she starts this business, and everything's going well. Anyway, she's in this other country where John's at because she's trying to get medical help, and then she goes back. And long story short, she gets COVID, and things get progressively worse and worse and worse, and then she passes away. John gets on an airplane to try and protect her devices. He, his, his message to us is, I have to rush back to secure her devices so that her contacts don't get dispersed, because we don't want the whole underground house church in this country to get put up in flames. So he rushes back. While he's there, the Lord begins to burden his heart for these people. And we get a message from him six weeks ago, and in this message he's like, I feel like God's saying it's my turn to go back. And so (laughs) he reaches out to us and says, hey, can you help me raise some money? So that's what we've been doing. And It's interesting. Most people from this country, when they become a Christian, they flee. But John, compelled by the Spirit of God and compassion for his people, Is running right back in. (laughs) Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to death, even to death on a cross. Jesus set the example We just celebrated His birth. He gave up so much to come and serve us. And every moment, every breath, every word, every action of His ministry was always about raising others up and considering them more important than Himself. Ultimately, all the way to the cross, where He, in the most amazing and epic way possible, displays for everyone what it means to make others more important than yourself. His home was just the home of a working-class man. His meals were the meals of a working-class family. His death, the death of a common criminal. Jesus set the example for us. He showed us what it meant to value others as more significant than ourselves. He, he told us to value others more significant than ourselves, and then He proved it by everything that He did. It's not just a moment here or there. It's every moment the king of the universe down on his knees washing the feet of just us. The Bible says we're dust. We're a mist that appears for a short time and then vanishes. And the older I get, the more I realize how very valid that is. You blink and your life is going to be over. This is the king of the universe who pre-existed all time. Through him all things were made and he's washing your feet. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. He's calling us to do the same. But I fear that on this matter, we have failed. From my point of view, this scripture is at the center of almost every church conflict. I'm more important than you. What you did to me deserves to be punished. How you treated me, blah, 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 blah. We may never say I'm better than you, but so many of us think it. And so many of us act like it's true. It's poison to our hearts. And it's poison to the body of Christ. It's like there's this uh, surface and the body of Christ functioning makes this surface really smooth. But bitter jealousy and selfish ambition Making myself more important than other people puts cracks in it and the and then these cracks create divisions and and, and these divisions end up leading to to splits in local churches and splits in big churches. When we make ourselves more important than other people, that's exactly what happens. I don't think it's a recent phenomenon. In fact, I think that division, the, re- the reason that almost every single New Testament letter addresses division is because it's been something crouching at the door of the local church for 2,000 years. Division. It's something that has plagued us for 2,000 years. And in some cases, we've just rolled over and let it happen. We've divided with the body of Christ. Now there's like 600 plus denominations in the United States alone. And we fight over how to, over just pathetic, trivial theological things or pathetic, trivial, meaningless, dibble-dabble junk instead of just being united with one another and doing the very thing that Jesus told us to do, which was His mission. We've missed it. <clears throat> Listen, Re- sometimes events in life shine lights on things, right? They-, they help us to see things that we weren't seeing before. And uh, recently, there's been no m- bigger spotlight than COVID. COVID, I believe, has to the nth degree revealed to us our failure to live out this Scripture. And I don't care what side of what debate you're on and blah, blah, blah. I don't care who's right scientifically or politically. Those things don't matter to me in this moment. I believe that the Word of God cuts through that stuff. All the dribble-drabble and all of the different nuances in the debates, I believe the Word of God cuts through those things. The only question that I want us to ask ourselves in this moment is in the midst of COVID and all of the division and all of the separation and all of those little cracks becoming massive gouges and people leaving the church and going this way and that way, have we really considered others as more important than ourselves? I don't think that we have. I think we've functioned thinking that I'm the most important one in the room. And I think we've looked at our brothers and sisters with judgment and harsh criticism. And we've said to one another, you're, you're way more messed up than me. We've mocked one another. We've ridiculed openly one another. We've pointed at each other and said, you're less loving than me. You're less faithful than me. There are all of these terrible things in our hearts. Harsh criticisms and judgments of one another. And it is sin. and We need to repent. In five years, Lord willing, I don't think COVID is going to be, continue to be a thing. I, did, I mean, don't quote me on it, but... Are we going to look back on this time like we look back on churches of history and things that they divided over and think to ourselves, oh, we did the right thing. I just don't think we will. I think we'll look back on this time and grieve because we made ourselves more important than one another. I encourage us and I invite us to repent, to turn from these things, to turn from these ideas. It's not easy. But for the sake of the body of Christ, it's essential how how can i actively demand of myself that i consider others more important what does that look like if you've wrong if you have harbored Something in your heart against a brother or a sister, go to that person. Even if it's me, please come, let's chat. I'll ask for your forgiveness. If you have harbored bitter judgment against somebody, it's time to forgive. We can't keep going forward the way we're going. Because we won't go forward at all. We'll spend all our time fighting with each other and no time doing the very thing that Jesus called us to do. Brothers and sisters, if you're feeling something in your heart, as I did and continue to do, as I process through my actions over the course of the last two years, Don't say, oh, Nathan's so mean. I can't believe he said that stuff. I believe that that's the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, hey, hey, the Word of God cuts through it. Maybe there's something you need to do about it. And I encourage you to not wait. I encourage you to not put it off. I encourage you to not say, oh, it's water under the bridge. We need to be united. Now more than ever, we need, to be t- we need to be united. Let's not, let's not let, oh my goodness, let's not let this stuff divide us. How foolish, how foolish we will be if we let this stuff divide us. Father, we praise you and we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. lord i i ask for your forgiveness for my heart attitude and how i've considered myself more important than others and how i thought i was the smartest person in the room and that my perspective was right please forgive me lord Lord, I pray that not just in this church, but in Your church, we will leave these petty disputes behind and we will strain forward towards Your kingdom purpose for our lives. Not allowing ourselves to be distracted and paralyzed by infighting, but to move forward in your kingdom accomplishing the very things that you desired for us to do, counting others as more significant than ourselves, even if we think that they're wrong. Give us the strength. Give us the forbearance. Give us the ability to see where we're not doing this and the wisdom to know how to act and the, and the courage to step out and ask for forgiveness. Lord, give us the, 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 everything we need for life and godliness, just like Your Word says. Lord, may Your kingdom come and Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. And in heaven, the body of Christ is not divided. We pray for that. Help us to remain united. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. love you guys I I believe that we can be united otherwise I wouldn't waste my breath I believe that God is calling us to more let's do it it's possible through the Holy Spirit it's possible that we can be united through the thick and the thin And the world is only going to get more difficult to negotiate and to figure out. And so we have to hold together with one another under the lordship of Christ, under His authority and His leadership.
1: We can do it. We can do it. Hope you guys have a good week.